and welcome to the Powerhouse Politics Podcast. I'm ABC News Chief White House Correspondent Jonathan Carl. And I'm ABC News Political Director Rick Klein. Rick, it's great to see you back in the show. Um, great to be here. Big, big week. Uh, it seems we we say that a lot, but this really was a big week. We saw the new new Donald Trump. I, I just got back uh, from... You missed the new. It's new, new to new. I'm pretty oh, sure. new to new. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it's uh, I, I was with him in Jackson, Mississippi. Uh, I was with him in Cleveland. I was with him in Texas. You know, all these great uh, battleground places. But what was interesting is, is for, for the basic stump speech... Uh, you're now seeing Trump with teleprompters. It's not just the policy rollouts. It's the it's the everyday rally stump speech, and he is, by and large, been on message. And the word from Republican officials is that he finally has gotten the message that he needs to be on message, that no more of the, the freewheeling stuff. Now, he's saying if he's attacked, he's still going to attack right back, but he is driving a singular message. You're seeing that come from every level of the campaign. They're hitting one story a day, at most two, only when he goes out there. Uh, and, and this has been a week where he's been mostly on offense. He's been talking a lot about the Clinton Foundation, about the Clinton emails, calling for a special prosecutor against Hillary Clinton, taking advantage of the fact that she's out raising money, not doing much in the way of campaigning, and, and, and being reinforced by a Republican Party that wants to get behind him. So you see it with surrogates. You see it at the state level. This is how campaigns are usually run. It's just not how this campaign has been run. I got to tell you, it was odd, uh, Rick. I was there in the uh, Mississippi Convention Center in Jackson when he brought out Nigel Farage. Nigel Farage. Household name in Jackson, <laughs> right. The, uh, Big star, yeah. Yes, uh, the, uh, of, of, of British uh, Brexit fame uh, coming out uh, to speak in the middle of a Trump rally. And I, we knew it was coming. We knew it was going to be strange during Mississippi to bring out a British politician to talk about our election. <laughs> and I got to tell you, it actually kind of worked. I mean, seriously, he, he brought the guy out. Uh, I, I'm sure, you know, most of the people in that crowd had no idea who he was. Right. Uh, but he spoke very briefly and he, he you know, made a – he referred to uh, David Cameron and, uh, you know, didn't get much of an applause to uh, for his attack <laughs> on David Cameron. Uh, but – but, you know, he did. He, what he said is basically we, we went into the polls down 10 points on Election Day. Nobody said we could prevail, and we did. Um, and, uh, you know, you here are going to do the same. And he, he, he referred to Obama coming to Britain, coming to London, and, you know, basically telling Brits not to vote for Brexit right. and how offensive that was. So he said, I'm not going to tell you how to vote, but I'm telling you if I were an American citizen <laughs> – I wouldn't vote for Hillary Clinton if you paid me, and and it was a big applause. Anyway, it, it was it was an odd moment, but it actually it actually got the crowd riled up. And, and Trump has said that he wants to be called Mr. Brexit from here on. And there's there's two strains to that. One is as you reference the polls, and I think that's a critical one. If the polls are down, he's got to give his supporters something to believe in that there's this undercount in the Trump uh, the Trump vote that, uh, that don't believe the polls because people aren't telling the pollsters the truth. And then there's the, the broader sentiment, which is the underpinning for a lot of this campaign of the of the you know nationalistic, uh, even nativistic campaign of, look, we're going to put America first, make America great again. That is what it's based on. And, and a lot of that was echoed uh, and presaged in what happened in Britain. So that, that, that Brexit piece of it is, is actually key to understanding the Trump phenomena and key to understanding how Trump's going to run the rest of this campaign if he stays on message. So he has stayed on message, but, uh, you know, we see more polls out, another Quinnipiac poll out today showing Trump down 10 points head-to-head, eight points if you include the third-party candidates. Uh, you know, I, I stopped by his campaign office in Akron. He was in Akron. The, 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 the 
one that they had announced with some fanfare that they have, you know, 16 new campaign offices in Ohio. There was nobody there. It was literally dark and the door was locked. Uh, there's not much of a ground game. He still only has one ad that's been out there. I mean, you know, let's face it, uh, he, he's, got, he's got a long way to go. But, but I, I do think you're right that rank-and-file Republicans who want Trump to win uh, in Washington, you know, the kind of uh, erstwhile uh, leaders of the Republican Party, feel a little, a little encouraged by the last week. And then, you know, Hillary Clinton's had a uh, – I mean, first of all, she's been nowhere. She, she, right. We, we're, we're, we're here. It is, uh, it is Thursday. She's giving her big speech in Reno. Uh, branding Trump as, as as basically a bigot, a word that he used to describe her and Jackson. Um, but that that's her first public event in a week, and yeah. and there there isn't one on the on the schedule for next week yet. I mean, I, she's basically been in hiding doing fundraisers, and uh, meanwhile the news has been pretty devastating. The Clinton Foundation. Yeah, Donald Trump just handed a gift of a series of stories that are converging. They're two different stories. One of them has to do with the Clinton Foundation, and we're going to talk to the author of Clinton Cash later in the program about uh, some of the latest revelations of what that means and the ties between the foundation and the State Department. The other uh, having to do with their emails. And and now the idea that there's going to be an additional almost 15,000 documents that are going to be combed through by lawyers at the State Department to determine if there were more work-related emails. She tried to laugh it off with Jimmy Kimmel. But that means, John, we've only got, you know, two plus months, 75 days or so. Those emails, if they come out, they're going to be coming out around the debates, right before the election. It's going to be fresh fuel for Donald Trump's argument about the culture of corruption and cronyism, uh, the the lack of transparency by Hillary Clinton. It's a really bad storyline. And if you're Donald Trump, you're going to hit it every day, multiple ways, every day between now and November 8th. And and, and I got to tell you, just to be precise, it's 14,900 emails that have been turned over. We don't know how many of them. And as you point out, some of them may be documents, may not be actually emails. We don't know how many will be considered work-related, how many will be released by the State Department. But we do know that Comey said that there were several thousand work-related emails that were not turned over. It's a safe assumption. I believe that a good chunk of those will be in this batch and that you'll see these emails released, as you said, just as we're getting ready for the the debates. Um, You know... I, I also uh, I got to tell you some some of the, the AP had a pretty remarkable story about the meetings that she held at the State Department with uh, with non government officials with non government officials and these uh, you know the AP went through they 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 had, they had FOIAed the uh, the records and they found that 85 meetings more than half of the 150 plus uh, meetings that she held with with non government people were with big donors to the Clinton Foundation. Uh, that didn't look good. And then, of course, you had the uh, the Huma Abedin emails that came out that showed um, the kind of back channels that were done to, to arrange for a meeting with the crown prince of Bahrain. I mean, all of this, there is no, I mean, we're going to talk to Peter Schweitzer, as you, as you said, who, who has studied this as closely as anybody. Um, there, there's no, you know, evidence of a quid pro quo favor beyond access and, and meeting. But this is this doesn't look good. No, it certainly doesn't. And, and it just adds up to a storyline that's a very uncomfortable one uh, for her. And, and, you know, Trump got some traction talking about it uh, early in the week. He was talking about it pretty consistent, consistently. Uh, and then it was, you know, to, sort of got lost in a bit of another headline, uh, which is that Donald Trump, Mr. Build the Wall and round them all up and get them all out of here, um, is, is, is engaged in a massive public rewriting of his immigration policy. It's now clear that his final plan is going to not include a call for deportation of all 11 million um, we're going to talk to the the author Ann Coulter. who has got a new pro Trump book. We're going to talk. 
talked to Ann Coulter. What, what's the name of her book again, Rick? Uh, I, I believe it's In Trump We Trust. Now, uh, Ann Coulter is the one that, I mean, you know, my God, if there was ever somebody who drew the line on immigration and said, get him out. It was Ann Coulter. It, it's, it certainly is. So she'll have. An I can't wait for that discussion. I think okay. we'll have an interesting reaction. We're also going to check in later in the program with Montel Williams, uh, the the former talk show host and uh, ex marine and motivational speaker, who uh, a very good guy amid the efforts by Donald Trump to reach out to African American voters. Montel Williams has actually uh, supported conservatives in the past. Was a big supporter of John Kasich in the primaries, but he's come out to support Hillary Clinton now in the general. All right, and let's get right now to Ann Coulter. Now we're joined by Ann Coulter. Ann, thank you for joining us. Sure, anytime. So I was down there uh, in in Texas and in Mississippi with Donald Trump when he started to uh, put a little bit more meat on the bones about what he's talking about with immigration and his his plans or his erstwhile plans, I guess, for, uh, for deporting those that got into this country illegally. What the heck is going on? Well, I don't think he's putting more meat on the bones. He's just being contradictory. Um, I mean, simultaneously, he was giving unbelievably fabulous speeches in Fredericksburg, Virginia, in Tampa. Um, and it, I, I just think he's, he seems to be getting contradictory advice. I mean, I've seen these rumors that he's getting, he's now being advised by Roger Ailes, the former head of the Marco Rubio super PAC, known as Fox News, and, uh, you know, suddenly he's sounding like Rubio. And, he's, look, he's made mistakes like this before. He's not a politician. Um, we, we know that. So a lot of the ledger domain from the amnesty cult, um, he doesn't know that it is ledger domain. Um, the business about back taxes, for example. Um, I'm sorry. This is being taped live. <laughs> Um, sorry, all hell's breaking loose here. Well, this is the, the, that's what's going on. That's good. So keep going. <laughs> okay. I'm about to, tape, to pre-tape Hannity, and then I have to leave for the airport. That's why yeah. we're so rushed yeah. and I'm in the middle of having the makeup done. But very sorry. Um, what I was just saying is th- this is nonsense, this business about how it's not amnesty if they pay back taxes. What that means is, which he may not know, the same way he didn't know that, you know, an, a health exception for abortion means a girl is depressed, she can't go to her senior prom. That was one of the early mistakes he made. And, yeah, no, I understand. A normal person hears you want a health exception, and we're compassionate people. Um, Yeah, of course there should be an exception for a woman's health. And then you realize that the whole thing is a scam. Well, the whole thing with back taxes is a scam. What back taxes mean is there's no illegal alien paying enough, making enough money to owe anything in back taxes. We give them approximately $30,000 per illegal alien in earned income uh, tax credit refund. So back taxes means we give them money. Um, the business about no citizenship, another scam of the Gang of Eight. Don't worry, no citizenship. Yeah, that will last um, approximately 30 seconds before the ACLU brings suit. And a court says, no, we're not going to keep, you know, this, this um, second, second class of individuals here doing our work for us and not allow them ever to become citizens. So he was using all the cliches from the Gang of Eight bill. I don't know who he's getting it from, but the idea that his base is not going to mind is nonsense. And that the idea that it helps him with anyone is nonsense. Look, he can soften his rhetoric. Um, he, doesn't, he doesn't have to express exuberance over, over a deportation force, but the way he's been talking about it in his speeches is, is 
absolutely pitch perfect. He's, it's a somber, serious problem. We're not taking these people's lives lightly, but we do have to take care of Americans first. Um, and that's what he should be saying, not not going back on, you know, saying one thing in the speech and then using the, the crazy gang of eight nonsense when he's talking to Hannity. Maybe it's just something in the air at Fox News. <laughs> but, but, but let's be clear, though. If he does do what he seems to be doing here, if he does say, OK, those that are not criminals should be allowed to stay and earn some form of legal status short of citizenship, is that amnesty? Is what he is talking about amnesty? Oh, um. I suppose so. I'm not sure exactly how you just set it up there. So, I mean, I, well, the way I set it up is very simple. That, 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 that they are allowed to stay. They get legal status short of citizenship. Is no, that no, amnesty? If they all get to stay, all 40, 50 million, of course it is. But I would phrase it differently if I were. And he has phrased it differently. Um, everyone who is here in the country illegally is here illegally. They have no constitutional right to remain. We will decide who stays and who goes on the basis of what's good for America. The main problem with what he's doing now isn't so much that he's coming out for amnesties. He's still, even if it were amnesty, and no, I do not think Donald Trump is granting amnesty based on the bulk of his other statements, not only for the past year, but just this week, just on either side of that Hannity interview, look at what he had to say. Um, but it's not helping him. Who, do, who does this idiot consultant, whomever it is who told him this was a good idea, who does he think he's winning over? He, he, uh, on one hand, he ticks off his base. On another hand, everyone who already hates him still hates him, but now can accuse him of being a flip-flopper. So how is this helping? I mean, he's just much less likely to be in a position to build that big, beautiful wall um, by taking the advice of the same consultant types that destroyed the candidacies of his rivals. So, and I don't know if you heard Rush Limbaugh uh, earlier today talking about this. He could barely get through the sentence. We'll play you a little a little, little slice of it here. He, he, he talks about the, the news uh, out of Donald Trump. Take a listen. Who knew that it would be Donald Trump <laughs> to come along and convert the GOP base <laughs> to supporting amnesty <laughs> the same week Ann Coulter's book comes out. <laughs> poor Ann. So poor Ann, he says he thinks that maybe it's not going to hurt the base except for Ann Coulter. Maybe Ann Coulter jumps ship over this. Does Ann Coulter jump ship over this? And and what's the response given? You've got a book out just this week praising him and his immigration plans. In Trump we trust. E pluribus awesome. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, no, this is part of the media's hysteria every time I've given my candidate a little constructive criticism. I mean, I did it before with the Heidi tweet, Heidi Cruz retweet. Um, I did it when he went soft on. He, he, I mean, it was similar to, to this. He's, he's not a politician. He makes some mistakes. And he made some mistakes, you will recall, you may look it up, going back and forth and back and forth on the H-1B visas. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I, I give my guy constructive criticism, but the idea that I'm throwing a tantrum and walking away is completely a media invention. The business about this being, this could be the shortest book tour ever was what's known as a joke. I, I think we read it as such. I think you've, the book's on the shelves. Maybe it's a different afterword at the end of this, but but Anne, isn't that... No, I don't think so. I don't think this is... Look, he just needs to be... This has happened before. He, he it's, it's, it's so minor compared to the bulk of his statements. Even if what you were saying is true, which I do not 
not believe that he's for amnesty as opposed to using these stupid talking points of someone um, who apparently was writing talking points for, you know, Marco Rubio until now. Um, even if he believed this, he would still be one million times better than any Republican to run for president in my lifetime on the issue of immigration. We know we're going to get a big cutback in immigration from Muslim, from terrorist-producing nations. We know we're getting a wall. There's absolutely no possible way we were ever getting a wall with any other Republican to say nothing of Democrats. And right now we're not, you know, in the essay portion of the exam anymore. <laughs> we're down to a multiple choice. It's Hillary or Donald Trump. And Hillary has promised to give all 30, 40, possibly 60 million illegal aliens amnesty. She's going to fling open the, the border. She wants to more than quadruple the number of Muslim refugees we're bringing in. That's it. It's lights out for America if she is elected. So, I, I mean, even if he were doing what you're saying, um, he would be hands and shoulders above anyone else to run for president in my lifetime, I guess with the exception of Tom Tancredo. Um, yet, <laughs> and still, I don't think that is what he's saying, because again, look at his speech in Fredericksburg, look at his speech in Tampa, right around that Hannity interview. What what I am doing, this is, this is my inside scoop for you, is I am trying to encourage Donald Trump to dump whomever the moron is who told him Americans are staying up at night worried about how people who broke our laws entering, broke our laws staying here, broke our laws taking jobs, how comfortable they are. That's really, I mean, how many transgenders are there in America? I keep wondering this with all this obsession with transgender bathrooms. 200, 300? I promise you, there are more transgenders in America than there are Americans worried about the comfort, safety, and security of illegal aliens. They're worried about, you know, their own kids. They're worried about their own school districts and emergency rooms. Every illegal alien, the most law-abiding illegal alien, this is in the magnificent new book, In Trump We Trust, E. Pluribus Awesome, um, take a law-abiding, um, hard-working, illegal alien, never broken the law, been here 15, 20 years, has only one child, and we'll assume that child does not need English as a second language classes, does not use the emergency room, does not get free school lunches. Just the education costs of that one child um, will, will add up to more than $150,000 um, from grades K through 12. Well, what taxes are they paying? The only taxes but, but, they pay are sales taxes. But, 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 the but, illegal alien would have to spend $125,000 a year just to pay for the cost of the schooling. Every illegal alien is costing Americans money. We're, we're but a very generous but, but, nation, but people are sick of it. It strikes me that, that Trump is not the only one who's being contradictory here. You are. I mean, you outline in your book, and remember, it's called In Trump We Trust. Uh, you, you outline what is at core of the appeal, the core of the appeal of Donald Trump. You say, and I'm quoting you, no matter how much the media and the political class yelled at Trump and demanded apologies, he never backed down. Now he is backing down on not no, some not. side I issue. Just, he's talking disagree. about. I strongly disagree. He is not backing down. He said something stupid. He's done it before. He'll do it again. So if he if if he proposes, if if I am right and you are wrong, and he is moving in this direction, he is proposing legal status for those in the country illegally. Will you consider that backing down? Um, not on the entire immigration policy. I think it'll. I think it would be stupid, wow. and it would hurt him strategically. Do you, can I ask you, I want to play one more little bit of sound for you. This was Katrina Pearson uh, talking about this, trying, her effort to explain what Trump was doing. 
He hasn't changed his position on immigration. He's changed the words that he is saying. What he has always said from the beginning <laughs> that is so. that he does not <laughs> that he no that he does not want uh, to allow people so. to stay in this country illegally. He does want to build the wall, but he wants to work Just with got Congress 10 feet to get shorter, things though. done. All right. So, exactly so 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 anyway. So she's so she's saying he's not changing his position. He's changing the words he's used. I think that's what he was trying to do. I think that some <laughs> idiot advisor told him you need to soften your language. And by the way, he does need to soften his language. I mean, it's weird. He's gone from. <laughs> He's gone from one extreme of this total exuberance over the, the mass deportation force um, to 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 the nonsense talking points from from Gang of Eight. But I think it's exactly like when he said um, he was for exceptions for abortion in the case of health, women's health. And you'll remember a lot of the people who are never Trumpers now went mental. And I said, no, it's just that he's not a politician. He doesn't know what this lingo means. And when he says pay back taxes, um, I mean, he, he hasn't been a politician. He does sometimes resort to um, stupid talking points. Rarely, not very often, I must say, um, as opposed to every other um, candidate running for president who is nothing but talking points. Um, and he resorted to a stupid talking point that, that, that isn't true. There are no back taxes to be paid. That means we pay them. That's a really important point. The same way a woman's health doesn't mean that the woman will be um, you know, paralyzed for the rest of her life or has to lose a limb or something. What it means is a girl is depressed about going to her high school prom. Oh, abortions are okay. It's, it's ledger domain. But I still, and I, he fell into I, it, but then you look at his speech in Tampa, and he makes very clear our immigration policy, and this is one thing, even though he has not been a politician, um, the one thing that his life is shot through with, and, and a point I make in, in Trump We Trust, one thing that has been absolutely consistent with Donald Trump, even when he didn't know the intricacies of these various political issues that are your and my lives, um, he has always cared, been incredibly patriotic, cared about Americans first, cared about working class Americans and middle class Americans. Um, and to, that he will put first. Um, if he had simply said, illegal aliens have no right to be here, we will decide whether or not they stay or go. And some may stay, some who help our country, some of the really terrific ones, the great ones, the ones who have been here for a while. If they are good for this country, they will stay. Um, okay, fine. But, Ann, I, I guess I don't understand why this doesn't freak you out a little bit. I mean, conservatives for <laughs> years have said— Did you see my tweets? I'm pushing back. I, I get it. But conservatives <laughs> for years have said politicians have said one thing, they've done something else when they're in office. This is a guy that's saying both things before he gets there. Another through line of Donald Trump. I think How you are you going to trust him on everything else? Yeah, he said, he's, he's, he's said a lot of things on a lot of different issues. He gave to the Clinton Foundation. He's voted for Democrats. He's supported grand. Democrats. Oh, so, now you're just— you're for the guy you're all in for the guy but really? why how do you know you can trust him um the media has been absolutely hysterical including fox news including most of the conservative media hysterical 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 from the beginning over his plan to allow ice to do its job we don't need a deportation force we already have one it's called immigration and customs enforcement um and to build the wall and um i gotta tell you that after the, after he gave that opening speech the mexican rapist speech that won my heart um i still wasn't convinced i was just waiting for him to back down i'm just waiting 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 
thing because that's what they always do when when politicians come under attack. In fact, two weeks later, we saw Scott Walker back down over anchor babies. Trump isn't backing down and never has, despite total mass universal hysteria. He has never backed down over anchor babies, including calling them anchor babies. He has never backed down on the wall. He has never backed down. He has simply refined his position on on Muslim immigration um, or made given us further details. I understood him perfectly well the first time. Yes, we'll have a ban on Muslims, but there will be exceptions. As I describe in the book, contrary to, you know, people who were taking it 17 additional psychopathic steps to, and he banned King Abdullah of Jordan. No, I understood. General idea is we ban Muslim immigration, but there will be distinct, there will be exceptions um, known as the fine art of of making distinctions. Um, he's he hasn't backed down in the face of mass hysteria, so he's not going to back down. This is him um, using a talking point he shouldn't have used. So fire All that right. person. All right. So so we'll see. We have uh, Eric Cantor tweeting that he's happy to see that uh, Trump has endorsed Jeb Bush's immigration plan. Well, he um, hasn't endorsed so, Jeb Bush's so immigration have, plan. I mean, okay. I have a right to be ticked off. None of these people do. His, <laughs> right. Trump's voters have a right to be ticked off. None of these people do. They would never, ever, ever build a wall. They want to grant amnesty immediately. Um, they would never consider uh, a Muslim ban. I'm sorry, Cantor, Ryan, McConnell, the rest of them. No, their response to that is, that's not who we are. Well, Trump's not backing down on that. Okay, so uh, we we know we got to let you go. Uh, one more thing, you, you mentioned Ailes uh, in the beginning. Do you do you see do you see Roger Ailes at work here? Is he the consultant you're, you're thinking that you're hearing? Do you, are you hearing? Ailes' I never voice? believed it. I thought it was all nonsense. You mainstream media reporters were <laughs> were sending out until that stupid talking point. But I don't know who it is. I want to find out who it is and 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 make sure that person is never allowed in the same room with Donald Trump. And the one person he sticks to like glue is Stephen Miller because I got to tell you. Every speech, I, and I've been critical of Trump, as I am being this week over over that. I've been critical over other things. That doesn't mean, you know, I'm not I'm not a Ted Cruz cultist or a Hillary Clinton cultist. I can criticize my guy and still support him. Um, but since the since the convention and his speech at the convention, he has not made any mistakes until now. And the media just makes stuff up, um, reinterprets his words, doesn't show people what he says, lies about him. He has been magnificent in every speech that, since the convention, and I think he should just keep doing that. Ann Coulter, the new book is in Trump We Trust. E Pluribus Awesome. E Pluribus Awesome. We're gonna we're gonna get that tag all over the place. Thanks for being here. And you're not backing down. Love it. Thanks for all being right. here. Thank you for joining us in Powerhouse Thank Politics. You. Talk Thanks. Thanks. Bye bye. Well, uh, I, oh, we forgot to ask if uh, if you shot somebody on Fifth Avenue. Well, okay, <laughs> I, I don't know. I think we got the answer though. She's all in. She's all in. I mean, I I, I think the I mean, urging some of these you know, things. I mean, wow. come on. Yeah. So, um, I, I, I look. She's in a tough spot on this, and and as we actually see a policy, because keep in mind we have we actually don't know what the policy is. He, he he's heavily forecasted. He's leaned in on this. It's pretty clear where he's headed on it. Um, and uh, I, this By is... the way, can, we, can I just interrupt you for a second? I mean, he's been a candidate for 13 months or so. Yeah, uh, 15, maybe, maybe 16 months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And, and, and uh, immigration's been kind of his central... I've heard kind of, of it before, yeah. And, he, and he, we still don't know what his immigration plan is? It's incredible. I mean, I, I, in retrospect, the smart thing they did was to cancel the speech because he didn't have anything to say. And he's going to need to rewrite this and, and, and redo it. But, you know, if he ends up in the place where... 
he uh, he it seems like he will. It, it'll be interesting to see where the supporters go. As I mentioned, Rush Limbaugh thinks it won't matter, and Coulter thinks it might a little bit. John, you you were talking to a bunch of folks out there uh, this week on the trail that that had some thoughts on this. Yeah, I went out uh, and spent a lot of time talking to the folks that are at these rallies for Donald Trump. These are his these are his hardcore supporters. And I want to play you a little bit of this, Rick, because it was striking. I did not talk to any Trump supporter that was upset that he was changing his position on this issue. What about this? You know, during the primaries, he uh, called for deporting all the undocumented immigrants that are in this country. Well, I know that wasn't going to work out like that. Once he had his vice president, he had his cabinet, once he had his people around. It's called policy. It's a policy to abide by the laws that are existing oh, in yes. this country. So, so do, do you think he should back away from that, or do you think he no, should... He'll, no. he'll, he'll make it where people can come in. He's not going to tear families apart. He's not going to get people, children, pull them out of school and send them back to wherever they were from. Well, he said he was going to have a deportation force and get well, everybody out. Well, the criminal time. It's still, it's still... Yeah, the criminals. No, but he, but he said he, said he was going to have uh, you know, a deportation force. And everybody no, would no, have to no. go out. Today, if today. He's changing now. He's changing. Why? He's going to have to change. Like we are. Yeah. Legalized citizens. Yeah. There's a step. It's a process. It's right. not that hard. But, but now he says that he's open to softening his position on deporting everybody who's here. Well, he illegally. cannot deport 11 million, but he can deport the criminal, which is roughly 650,000. So, so you're okay with him changing his position on that? I want him to change his position. That's the best way. He's a businessman like I am. And he's got to don't be stubborn his way or the highway. We cannot afford that anymore. All right, we've got to take a quick break. We'll be right back with the Powerhouse Politics podcast and our interview with the author of Clinton Cash. Hey, think fast. Hey, what's this? The solution for your pain. Lidocare Pain Patch? Yep, the only non-water-based patch on the market blocks pain for up to eight hours. So it gives me eight hours of pain relief and stays dry? That's right. It's patent-pending technology, so it really is one of a kind. Says here it's odor-free, ultra-flexible, dry, and light. The Lidocare Pain Patch from the makers of Blue Emu. For long-lasting relief, you can wear. Available at CVS. Hey, it's Rick again. If you like our podcast and want to check out some others from ABC News, check out abcnewspodcast.com. We've got a whole bunch of shows for you to listen to, so take a look and subscribe to the ones you like. All right, let's get back to the show. All right, and now we are joined by Peter Schweitzer, uh, author of Clinton Cash. This is the guy who has... uh, studied uh, the Clinton Foundation and all its tentacles about as carefully as anybody, somebody who has come under fire uh, from the Clinton team, uh, but, but somebody uh, who right now I, I would imagine is following the news very, very closely. Peter, thank you for joining us. Hey, glad to be with you guys. Thanks for having me. So you came out with your, with your book, which looked at all of the, uh, uh, the, the basic you know, the interactions with the, the Clinton Foundation and the work at the State Department. So much information has come out publicly since your book. Uh, we have we have new emails that have been released. We have these, uh, uh, you know, th- we just were talking earlier in the show about this uh, AP story about the meetings, uh, you know, on, on Hillary Clinton's calendar. We've got the Huma Abedin emails. 
Have you seen anything uh, uh, new that that provides what you really didn't have in your book? As I believe you you acknowledged, I mean, you had a lot of apparent conflict of interest, but there was no real smoking gun in terms of evidence that that Hillary Clinton actually did favors in exchange for donations to the Clinton Foundation. Are you seeing anything that that that, that gets you closer to that? Uh, well, I think there is. I think, look, um, when Clinton Cash came out, what it was really about was following the money, who gave the Clintons money when, and did they get favorable action from the State Department? And the question was always, could you show a causal relationship between the two? And other than being in the room, you know, you can't show a causal relationship. I think what the emails and the schedules show is what I talked about in Clinton Cash, which is that, you know, people around the world in particular, oligarchs in Africa or in South America or in Russia, were not just throwing money at the Clinton Foundation out of the kindness of their hearts. They were expecting something in return, and that something in return was access. Um, and I think probably uh, favors. Um, you know, look, there's not going to be an email that says, do this and we'll give you the money. But I do think that the emails clearly indicate that that oligarchs went to the Clinton Foundation. They didn't go through official channels because they thought they were going to get to a higher level more quickly at the State Department to decision makers that matter to them. So what are you working on now? Are, 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 you, are you following up on your work on this in, in light of the additional information that's come out? Yes, we are. Um, you know, we're continuing to look at certain aspects of the State Department. We're also looking at, uh, at, at other political figures beyond the Clintons. But what you clearly find, uh, and this is the problem, anytime you have a political figure uh, that has power, that can do things for you or against you, uh, people are going to want to have access to them, and they, they're willing to pay money for it. And what the Clinton Foundation really did was create a conduit whereby, say, a foreign entity who cannot donate to a campaign and get access that way could donate to the Clinton Foundation. So we just uh, released a report published in the Wall Street Journal dealing with Skokovo, which was this uh, high-tech park in Russia during the Russian reset that, again, has the hallmarks of this. You see a high concentration of the participants in that deal being Clinton Foundation donors, both on the Russian and on the U.S. side which I think also begs the question of why is there this high level of correlation between the Clinton Foundation and the State Department, and I think it is precisely because there was a pay-to-play culture. And Peter, you saw the announcement just in the last couple of days from the from the the, the Clinton uh, operation, the foundation saying that they would no longer accept foreign donations if Hillary Clinton is accepted is elected president. Would this have taken care of everything if they had done this, uh, you know, eight years ago, or or would there still be issues? And and would, is this new safeguard would it be adequate if she's elected president? Oh, well, those are good questions. I think, look, if they had shut down the Clinton Foundation and... and well, not shut down the foundation, stuff. but shut down foreign donations to the foundation, even. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shut down foreign uh, donations and uh, uh, also bill the speaking fees, I think, are a major problem as well. You wouldn't have these same issues arising. I think the real concern is with the foreign money and with the inflated speaking fees. Bill's speaking fees skyrocketed after she became Secretary of State. Um, but, you know, that said, the safeguards they're proposing now, first of all, I'm, I'm a little skeptical. Uh, you know, look, in 2008, to his credit, Barack Obama 
put conditions on Hillary Clinton for her to become secretary of state. And they signed a memorandum of understanding. And those included that there would be no commingling of State Department and Clinton Foundation functions. And there seems to be evidence that that was violated. And number two, that there would be a complete disclosure of donations. And, you know, we had reporting last year in Clinton Cash, but then followed up by The Wall Street Journal and Bloomberg that there are at least a thousand undisclosed foreign donors out there, and those still have not been released. So even when they made commitments in 2008, they didn't live up to them. So I'm a little skeptical that whatever promises they are making right now, that they're going to honor them because they just don't seem to have a great track record in that area. Peter, you, you've, you've done a lot of work with uh, the new uh, Trump campaign chief, now Steve Bannon. You've worked for him in the past. He was He was involved in in Clinton cash and getting it out. What do you make of the new operation? And what should people know about the kind of operation that you think Bannon is is likely to to be engaged in? Well, I'll say that, you know, when Steve joined the campaign, uh, given the work that I'm doing at a 501c3, we're not, you know, communicating on everything. But I've known Steve since 2002. Uh, You know, all you need to do is look at his background to know who he is. This is a guy that was in the U.S. Navy, worked at Goldman Sachs in mergers and acquisitions, then went to Hollywood where he financed movies. Those are all tough venues. So Steve is strong, tough and fair. Uh, And I think that, uh, you know, whatever is going on in the Trump campaign, he is going to be the center of it. He's going to be providing strong leadership. Um, And and that, I think, is is the essence of what we can expect in terms of the ins and out machinations. uh, I don't have any specifics on that. Well, I mean, you use the word fair. And and, and I I, I don't know Steve Bannon. yeah, I, I know your work. I know you do serious work. I know you've you've come under attack for it, but but you you've done you've done you know very serious work journalism on this. Um, but I also look at you know Steve Bannon's behind Breitbart. I mean, would would, would fair yeah. be the uh, would that be the adjective? It looks like a very different well, style of journalism than you uh, than, yeah, than, than no, your work. And no, it absolutely is. I mean, government accountability, which is the group that I had, and 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 you know where Steve. Uh, it really helped co-found it. Um, our mission, we go after both sides, but it's journalism-based. Um, Breitbart is different. I mean, I don't think anybody would confuse the two. Breitbart is really like Fight Club. I mean, they advertise that. They don't pretend to be anything else. So I think so it's, which it's, one is Steve know, Bannon, though? Which, is, which, which style does he bring to the, uh, you know, does he bring to the campaign? Well, I think it's I think it's honestly both. I mean, I know that that he is a guy of of great substance. He's very smart. I think even his detractors would admit he's very very smart. Uh, but I think also Steve has, and this is perhaps comes out of his Hollywood background. Um, he is interested in getting attention, um, and one of the ways you get attention, of course, in this media environment, uh, is by you know putting forth a message that is going to stir opinion and stir uh, conflict and stir engagement. So I think it's really both. Um, And that's where I think when people try to pigeonhole him in one way or the other, they're really being unfair. He was, of course, an early investor in Seinfeld. uh, And and I've heard people (laughs) I've heard people come out and say, you know, this is the perfect match. It's the campaign about nothing when it comes to policy. (laughs) But but honestly, I mean, we can be glib about that. But is there something there? I mean, Donald Trump, we've seen him just this week uh, remake his immigration policy, which was central to his appeal in in the primaries, is is Bannon or Bannon and Trump onto something? When you realize that this is in the modern media environment, the way you run a campaign, policy really doesn't matter. Well, I think I think policy um, matters, but I think more than that. 
people are used to every four years in the presidential level or every two years in the congressional level, people come out and, and talk policy, which is great. But oftentimes what they end up doing doesn't seem to correspond with policy. I think what you're seeing, you know, in an era where I think it was a, uh, a poll a couple of months ago where 75 percent of the people uh, believe that there's widespread corruption in Washington, D.C., uh, people just aren't buying the typical talking points anymore. Uh, and so what they want is they want honesty. They want sort of a visceral. This is what you got from Bernie Sanders supporters. This is what you get from Donald Trump supporters. That's what, you know, the measure of, quote unquote, genuine is in today's political climate. And I think it's really an indictment, unfortunately, of the political class in Washington. There is widespread belief that what they are being told is not really what political leaders believe, and people are very, very frustrated, hence the rise of Bernie Sanders and Donald Trump. Hey, we're, we're really just about out of time. I have one last question for you, though. So you you, you talk about how you guys go after, look at politicians in both parties. Uh, you did this, this, you know, this big book on Clinton cash. When is the Trump cash book coming out? I mean, I would imagine that would be a lot of material for you to look at. This is a guy yes. whose organization has, uh, you know, for-profit enterprises all over the world. Yeah. I mean, my God, if he gets elected president, uh, think of the potential conflicts of interest and the real conflicts oh, of yeah. interest there. So when, when, how much are you looking into, uh, into Trump cash? Well, I'd say, number one, uh, I've been very open in saying I believe in disclosure. So, you know, whether it's his taxes, whether it's Clinton Foundation donors, I believe both sides need transparency. The second thing is I will guarantee you guys, as I've guaranteed others, if Donald Trump becomes president, the next day we will be looking into precisely these things. Because we are the Government Accountability Institute, we, as a mission, focus on political figures and, and elected officials who self-enrich. And so our focus has really not been on, on candidates who didn't serve in public office before or you know former politicians. It's really been focused on those who, when they have the reins of power, have machinations and, and things that they do to self-enrich. And we will certainly be on that regardless who, of who occupies the White House. So, so you're, so you're going to wait till after the election. All right. Peter Schweitzer, thank you for joining us in Powerhouse Politics. Thanks for having me. Appreciate your time. Well, um, you know, Rick, uh, <laughs> it might be good to have some of that information before the election. Well, people are digging on it. Sure, yeah, yeah. I mean, and there's there's a lot there is a lot there. I mean, I and I do think though, just just on the Clinton beat, uh, there's there's so much territory to go through with the the ties between the foundation, and I think. Honestly, the, the Clinton, the, the events of the last couple of days opened them up to more criticism in, in the sense that acknowledging or, or saying that you're going to have this policy going forward that shuts off these donations if she's elected president. Why not when she was secretary of state? Why did they continue to accept money from, from foreign nationals, from foreign governments even uh, throughout the time of secretary of state? It, uh, any of the safeguards you had up, you know, we've seen just ample evidence that there were not – uh, there was not a, an absolute wall that was erected between the foundation and between uh, the, the Clinton State Department. Well, and there does seem to be backsliding in even what they're going to be recusing themselves from. I mean, at first it was, you know, they, they, they would all step off the board. Now it seems that Chelsea Clinton will remain. Right. Uh, there was the, the foreign donations question, and there's, well, maybe that won't apply to the uh, Clinton Health Action Initiative. Uh, Chai, I have that right, right? That's right. Yes. Um, you know, which is, by the way, the you know, the biggest single project of the Clinton related to the Clinton Foundation, right. but that may, be, loophole, yeah. that may be exempt from the um, from the foreign donation. And, you know, the, the you can understand what they say in response to this, which is the Clinton Foundation does very good work. They talked about its about its work 
um, uh, dealing with, uh, with, with AIDS in Africa, for example. I mean, they, 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 this foundation has done a lot of good work. It's probably saved a lot of lives. And, you know, the danger is you, you start talking that way and you think, well, you can justify, uh, you anything. know, anything. That, I mean, that's just it. I mean, you don't have to, you don't have to second guess or, or undermine the, the work of the foundation. Even the, 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 the new campaign manager, Donald Trump, talks about their important work. But there are lots of great foundations that do lots of interesting work. But th- there's only one that was called the Clinton Foundation while Hillary Clinton was Secretary of State. And it's still operating right now as she is a candidate for President of the United States 75 days out. And the idea that... There would be the appearance of a conflict of interest, I think, is undeniable at this stage. The actual conflicts, the stuff, the work that Schweizer has done and others to try to, to try to establish actual links, it's, it's difficult. But, you know, when you just look at the facts of it and see the crown prince of Bahrain unable to get a meeting with Hillary Clinton until uh, the top Clinton aides intervene and all of a sudden that meeting materializes to think that there was an absolute wall set up uh, that, that somehow still allowed that, is, it, it strains credulity. And I think, you know, we'd ask Hillary Clinton those questions if she had a press conference. There's a reason she's uh, she's. When was she's the last time away. she had a press conference, Rick? I think we're at two two hundred and seventy days or so, something like that. And what you know, is she going to do it? Is going to be the betting line? You know, why do it at all at this at this stage? And, and, and so, if she can get through the campaign, then what what happens when she gets elected president? I mean, I, I asked this as a White House correspondent. We, we, <laughs> you we, made we, self interest in that one. Yeah. We 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 tend to like press conferences. We kind of see that as kind of central to our job. Um, we uh, complain a lot that Obama doesn't do enough of them. We I'm going to go ahead and guess you're going to get fewer under, <laughs> under President Clinton. Just phenomenal. <laughs> Just phenomenal. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We will be right back with Montel Williams. Uh, very interesting conversation with a somebody who's long described himself as a conservative, supported John Kasich in the primaries, and now finds himself uh, in the Hillary Clinton camp. So we'll be talking to Montel Williams shortly. <laughs> And we're pleased to be joined here at Powerhouse Politics by Montel Williams, former talk show host, motivational speaker, former Marine, and uh, uh, now a Hillary Clinton supporter after supporting John Kasich in the primary. So that, that endorsement, I think, raised he, some he, eyebrows. Wait, wait, he's supporting Hillary? I thought, I thought Montel was a conservative. He used to be a Republican. He's supporting be, Hillary Clinton? So walk us through that. I, I think we, we, we that, that definitely raised some eyebrows uh, to, to see you come out uh, after your vocal support for John Kasich and say it has to be Hillary Clinton. What was the, what was the, 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 the main factor driving that for you? What was the clincher? For me, uh, there is no ifs, ands, or buts. I, I really feel that Donald Trump presents a clear and present danger to this nation. And I can't vote for Donald Trump, so I, I am literally left with hardly any choice. I, uh, I, I would have voted and gone in the booth and pulled a lever on my own, but and not said who I voted for. But you know, I, I stand by the fact that I can't vote for him, so I'm going to have to vote for. Her. So clear and present danger. I don't necessarily agree with everything that, that Hillary Clinton stands for, everything she's done. But I'm going to tell you, um, I don't think that there is any possible way that Donald Trump should be anywhere closer to the White House than a, a, a table at a dinner at a correspondence dinner. <laughs> so I, I, I want to get to some of that in, in a moment about Hillary Clinton, but clear and present danger, thats that sounds like quite a lot, especially from an ex-military officer. D- spell that out. I mean, do, do you actually think he would be a threat to the United States? I, Without any question. Uh, he's he's shown the fact that he does not have a capacity to even understand international politics. He's shown a clear direction in his thinking that it's okay to commit war crimes and to force soldiers below you to do so. 
I spent 22 years in the military, and you know, I mean, again, I don't talk about it a lot because it's not. I don't have to wear uh, my history and my patriotism on my sleeve. But I was a special duty intelligence officer. I went to the Defense Alliance Institute. I studied Russian. I was stationed at the, the, the National Security Agency for half of my active time after the academy. Um, I have over 600 days at a float, 300 of that under the water, over 300 on top of the water. And my nemesis, and like it was for all of us in the Cold War, were Russians. Right. Well, first off, here's a guy who actually literally had the nerve to employ a person who has had contractual and uh, representation of, of very Russian politics, and his history was questionable in that area. He's a guy who also besmirched this country in his own book, talking about how he got away without having to serve. I, I just, uh, I, 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 he, he doesn't even show a capacity or willingness to want to learn international politics. He surrounds himself with people who don't even give him the information he needs before he answers. I, I just, I, I'm profoundly just disturbed by the fact that. No one's willing to call him out on just the basics. I mean, his attack on those that he is so willing to send off to die, from Gold Star mothers to soldiers who died saving the lives of their own unit. Uh, I, I, I can go on and on and on and on and on and on. And this is not really about you know beating up Donald Trump. I really, I don't, I don't even know it's necessary. I think he's done it to himself. I so, just cannot vote for him. So. So that's a big step. I mean, I mean, we, we could we could debate. You, you don't like Trump. I, I mean, mean I, I, what's the big step? If I don't vote for him, then I don't vote. What? I'm supposed to not vote. So the step is, I'm not voting for him. I'm going to vote for at least someone who I at least feel, in some ways, that I don't agree with her in a lot of areas. I mean, I I, I held one of the highest clearance this country has to give, top secret FI plus, and. You know, her handling of top secret information, abomination. Uh, but it's been adjudicated and adjudicated and adjudicated. Get on with it. Next, do I agree with her on, you know, her practices, her foundation? No. Uh, but at least from my perspective, we have a system of checks and balances that's in place. That system of checks and balances has been in place right now. If you notice, we are a stalemate country. And half our issues right now have to do more with the fact that we've had a stalemate Congress, Senate, and presidency. Well, at least the stalemate is better than tantamount going to war. So why not vote and third party? I just, why not third party? Because uh, there's no interest in, in the, I have no interest in the third party that's running right now. So, uh, I mean, you outlined... It's a wasted vote. I mean, truthfully, a wasted vote for me. So, I mean, I, and it's not for me. To, I'm, I'm, not here to, I'm not here to convince anybody else to feel the same way I am. I just made a statement. And if people disagree with my logic, it's fine. But that's the logic that I have. That's the direction I'm going in. That's the reason why I chose to, to come out that way. So, what's your sense on what happens to the Republican Party after this? You're not leaving the Republican Party, are you? Or are you? Well, I, you know, I left the Republican Party after oh, the first year, year into, um, a year and a half into Ronald Reagan's term. And I left because this is the party that needed to make sure the world knew there was no place for me. And what do you mean? Let's just be clear. This, this false invitation for African-American representation 
in the Trump campaign has been as, as equal to the false invitation to African-American participation or minority participation in the Republican Party for the last 20 years. I mean, let's be honest. So I voted as an independent for almost 30 years. Um, why is why do you so, consider it a, a false invitation? I'm, I'm curious about it I, because he, he, what are you what, what no are you no saying? he's 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 it's, it, he's inviting people. I mean he is saying it as explicitly as you are can. You if you're African American, I want you to vote for me. Are you kidding me? Seriously, you really believe that? It's like you're going to tell me that David Duke right now is going to say, "Hey, I want to get some black people come on over to my house." Forget anything I've said in the past. You know, racism. You know, we got to stop this. I, you know, we, we want to talk about political correctness, and let's stop being ignorantly politically correct when we talk about and addressing a racist is as a racist does. And this racist has done enough to prove who he truly is. This invitation isn't for real. You don't make an invitation out and say, I want, to, I want to meet with people and talk to people and reach out to communities and do it only from a one community. Really? So, yeah, a false invitation. Uh, and, and it really was done more to make sure that you know, the primary or the, the people he was speaking in front of would be less apt to say, oh, he is a racist. Well, if, that, if I make some comments in front of all white people and say, hey, I'm not a racist, you know, I'm not. Clearly he's... Not clear- all you black people who aren't here, <laughs> I want you to come on up and see me. Clearly, he's supported by by racist elements. I don't think that's deniable, uh, including including uh, white nationalists like David Duke. But do you, you think Donald Trump himself is racist? He's as racist does. How about a racist is as a racist does? A racist is as a racist says. You cannot go back and now retract your statements, your past, to try to say that you're not what you have been. Well, be specific. What, what are you referring yeah, to? People do change. I mean, look like hey, people do change. I mean, take a look at right now. Donald just, just flip-flopped on, on immigration. So people change. So I guess tomorrow... George Wallace change. changed. George Wallace, before he died, uh, was, yeah, you know... Yeah, he got shot, though. It, it, it took yeah. a bullet. And I'm so yeah. sorry to be so foul to say that, but it took a bullet. So, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't believe that there's any change in Donald Trump at all. So, and those around him actually show the clear... I, 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 it's funny to me. I, I'm not... And again... I don't I say the word he is as, as he does. That's a truthful statement. That's not a hateful statement. I'm not denigrating him. I mean, he should step up and be proud. He, he seems to be proud enough of those who support him to not try to deny their support. So a racist is what a racist does. All right, Montel Williams, we appreciate you being here. Before we let you go, I want to remind you of something. You may not remember this. But oh, he's got to remember this. I, right? I think, see, let's, let's jog the memory. Uh, you actually shot me uh, as, part of a, as, as part of your motivational speech. And we're not taking this personally, by uh, the way. Not at all. Not at all. Uh, I knew I was about to get shot. Uh, Babylon High School. Okay, high school. Which high school were you in? Which high school? Where? Babylon High School, Long Island, New York, circa 1992, 1993, when you're doing the motivational speeches. No, watch this. It would have been... It, it would have been like not. It's 1989. Oh my! I'm not that old. Come on, Montel. I had already started. Hey, 1991. <laughs> I had started talk show, and I was no longer speaking in school. <laughs> well, then so you... it would have been 1988, 89. Wait, Babylon out on Long Island. Yeah. I would say this was right after. Oh, this is in in the fall of 88 because I. Had Are you just... sure this is the same Montel Williams? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I'm old enough for, yeah. for what you're what you're alleging <laughs> here. But yeah, you know, uh, well, you know, you might you might be stretching those. <laughs> exactly. I'm 60 years old, my friend, and proud of it. I turned 60 this last year. But so, I, I, you know, I remember my look. I spoke, I spoke in schools from 1988 to 1990. Really, wait, to 91. You're right. 
91. So it could have been 1990 okay. in Long Island. Well, yeah, well, it could have been 1990 in Long Island. It's one of the few school assemblies that I remember. So, uniform? Do you? I don't believe you were. I don't think you were in uniform. But okay, mostly, so remember, we got out of we got out of school. We got out, we we didn't have to go to You're class right. that afternoon. So thank you. <laughs> but but I want to just for posterity. I want to hear it one time. I want to hear. I want to hear the catchphrase. Mountain, get out of my way. There you go, Mountain. <laughs> get out of my way. You made us say it too, Montel Williams. Thanks for being here. We appreciate it. I stayed on the straight and narrow. Must have been because of you. All right, Montel. We have you to blame. At least. Thanks for remembering, my friend. Okay. Well. Uh, you know it. All, All right. right. Thanks care. so much. So I guess we know where Montel stands. I think so. I think we have it. I think we have it pretty clearly. Yeah. I, I, and I think the, the appeal that Donald Trump has made, you know, the very explicit appeal to, uh, to, to African-American voters, it's being met with a lot of deaf ears for the reasons he talks about, whether, whether it's a false appeal or not. Uh, the, the, the audience that he's going, he's going to on this, uh, I think a lot of it speaks to, you know, a lot of complicated motivations for Donald Trump to, to, to try to do this. And, you know, I, I love that uh, when Mike Pence was asked about Donald Trump's contention that he guarantees, he guarantees he can get 95 percent of the African-American vote, even Pence. Couldn't couldn't keep himself from laughing. But you know, but it also shows that the 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 challenge Trump has even even beyond African American voters, uh, you know, conservatives that 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 are horrified by what he stands for, and there are there are a large number of them out there. Uh, you know, the, the Montel Williams calls Hillary Clinton's uh, use of uh, emails and classified information an abomination, an yeah. abomination. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he's voting for her because, yeah. uh, because of the alternative. That's right. That's right. And, and when it comes down to the alternative, and you heard Montel, you know, talk about the third party not being a real choice. It's his, it's his personal choice like this. But that's, it's gonna, this is a, a real issue for him. I mean, this is, this is what the party, you know, a party split looks like. All right. Well, I think we're out of time, Rick. Uh, this is uh, good to have you back on Powerhouse Politics again. I know you had a nice long lengthy uh, uh, vacation it was it was, was well, restful well it was restful thanks for not making fun of me in my absence yeah it's, no we, really, we did it was classy how you handled that we it were nice. we were very yeah. respectful yeah. very respectful to you um and and as as we always are so uh, that's it for powerhouse politics remember you can get us on uh itunes you can rate us you can subscribe to the podcast how else can we get it there's a uh, there, there is uh, iTunes, there's Stitcher, there's Google Play Music, there's TuneIn. There, are, there's so many ways to listen. It's, it's, it's not even funny. And in most of them, you actually isn't that that bar up on Capitol Hill? Yes, that is five dollar national Bohemian beer on tap. If you're uh, listening on uh, TuneIn, this is not an insult to your, <laughs> okay, to your technology right. choice. All right. Well, thank you uh, for listening, and we'll catch you again next week. 